I'm Noel Holtzman, and this is Open Concept from Yahoo Finance. I think libraries are finding opportunities where there are threats, perceived threats. We try to find a way to adapt and, and leverage and make those threats opportunities for the library. If you haven't been to a public library in a while, you might be surprised by what you find. Sushi making classes? Sewing machines? Film studios? And rock concerts? Ten years ago, many people thought Google was going to be the death of the public library. But instead, libraries are going through a global renaissance, and many are actually attracting record numbers of people. That's thanks in part to people like my guest today. So uh, my name is Abe Velasco, and I am currently the manager of innovation at the Toronto Public Library. Now you might be thinking, wait, this is a business podcast. Why are we talking about public libraries? Because reinventing a big, fading institution and making it relevant for a new generation of customers is one of the most important business lessons out there. And considering that Toronto has the busiest public library system in the world, they've got a thing or two to say about that. Abe, thank you for coming in today. We're absolutely thrilled to have you. Manager Innovation, what does that mean? Uh, so as the name suggests, it's a fantastic job, first of all. Uh, we get to try a lot of new, innovative, and interesting things at the Toronto Public Library. So my specific portfolio is I look after the library's digital innovation services. And what that means is we have a series of services and spaces at the library uh, that allow people to access new, high-end, and emerging technologies. So our digital innovation hubs, we now have eight of these locations out of 100 library branches across the city. So if you have a library, card, uh, you can access a space for free and you can access equipment like 3D printers, high-end Mac computers, uh, the entire Adobe Creative Suite products. Uh, we also have uh, AV re uh, audio and video recording studios in our spaces, all for free with a library card. On, on one level, that's incredibly impressive and inspiring and, and also somewhat dizzyingly complex. Sort of traditionally, people see the libraries as kind of a quiet place. There's an etiquette. There is a way to behave or, uh, and there's a certain shush factor, right? <laughs> because you are here to 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 read, uh, research, and to do it quietly, right? Mm -hmm. we, we all know how to behave in a library. But it seems to me that this sort of, presumably there's a culture shift, right? Because yep. people are, are no longer simply just reading and researching. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's always the stereotype of the librarian with the bun uh, walking around, you know, shushing people. And, you know, it's it's definitely changed. And if anyone hasn't come to the library, while well, we p encourage you and welcome you to come to the library and to see how we've changed. So one of the ways is we don't shush people. <laughs> we, welcome, we welcome chaos. So, um, for example, when speaking with youth, we welcome youth to, to just be themselves at the library. We have these spaces called Youth Hubs at uh, eight of our library locations across the city. And they run uh, after schools on Mondays to Fridays. And the idea is it's just a place for youth to hang out, to get homework help if they wanted, to play video games, to play with audio and DJ equipment, to interact with each other in a safe, non-judgmental place. Uh, we have uh, music concerts now at the library. Uh, um, where you can come and listen to local bands. So this was an initiative started by our youth services uh, manager because she felt it was really important to promote and to celebrate uh, local uh, artists. So now we, we throw these uh, twice-a-year concerts at the library that we call Make Some Noise, and there's also a local music collection that, that is connected to that, uh, that uh, initiative. 
uh, we also even recently hired a social worker to uh, better help the library uh, uh, support um, the homeless community as well in in Toronto because you know it really goes back to our ethos of public libraries that we are a space for all. How unique is the Toronto Public Library in that regard? Uh, is, is this something that's happening sort of on a global scale, a North American scale? Definitely, I think uh, libraries around the world are are reinventing themselves. Uh, you know, with, with Google and the Internet, it's definitely provided an opportunity for the libraries to, to kind of pause, to reflect on its role in this new information and technology age and libraries i would argue are always have been adaptable to changing times you know when the internet first came around we were one of the first or public organizations that offered access to that wi-fi at the library now emerging technologies it's always been our role to offer access to these new information and technology tools where do where do the the books fall into all of this because i i can see that when you whenever you do more of X, then invariably a bit of Y suffers just because there's a finite amount of resources. Uh, do the books still have a, a place of primacy in the library? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think our collections are still well used. I would say they're they're kind of our bread and butter. Uh, they're well used, well loved, and they're always going to be part of library service. Um, I always, you know, when I try to kind of explain this to my uh, my uncle, my family, I remember having heated this this debates about with my uncle uh, over Vietnamese food, and be saying, "Aren't libraries?" like irrelevant now because of Google and I'd get, I'd get like really angry, right? And like, what do you mean? But, you know, when you think about books, what is it? It's a, it's a container of information, right? And when you think about the ancient libraries, we didn't have books. Everything was on clay tablets and then the printing press came and you had books. And now with the digital age, information's now in a digital container. I think information is sort of that common thread for libraries, and that I don't think that's ever going to go away. Um, you know, who knows what's going to come after digital one day? Right? It could be telepathy one day, for all we know. <laughs> but one thing that's different and that's really been exciting about libraries these days is that it's not just access to information and content, but you're also able to access tools. You're able to access training and staff expertise to also then create your own content. So you can come to the library and you can read, you know, the next great Stephen King book, but then you can also come to a makerspace and you can access software, tools, and training to write your own book one day, right? We even have a book printing machine at the reference library. So it's kind of taking that whole information um, cycle and really kind of making a more complete continuum at, at the library. Can you give me an example of a service that you offered that didn't succeed or or that the interest wasn't there i'm just i'm i'm interested in terms of how kind of calibrating where the library you know is on that kind of the technology curve right um so i'll give you an example um of a a fun innovative thing that i participated in it wasn't really technology based but it was uh, called the human library so as the name suggests, uh, you could, instead of borrowing books, you can borrow a human being from the library and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation similar to how we're having a conversation right now. So it was a fun pilot that we tried out in 2010, uh, and it was, uh, you know, it got a lot of interest. But at the same time, it was also a lot of work, like a lot of human capital went into organizing it. And in terms of how many people actually got to participate and to borrow a book and have a conversation, I would say... 
the reach was probably very low. So that was an, an example where we tried something out uh, and it didn't, you know, kind of give us the, R, the return investment that we kind of um, expected. So we kind of filed that away. So definitely, I, I, I take your point, you know, definitely. I mean, the wonderful thing about innovation, right, is you, you get to prototype, you get to try something out. If it uh, works really well, then you scale up. If it crashes and burns and you're like, okay, well, I learned something from that and you, and you kind of move on from that. Coming up after the break, Abe tells us how the library changed his life as a child and gives advice on how to innovate without a big budget. I understand you started working at the the library when you were 14. Yes. So <laughs> how did, uh, can you tell us about that? How did you, how did you start and, and why the library? So uh, my family uh, immigrated here from the Philippines. Uh, so when I was eight, so as with um, common to a lot of immigrant families, you know, my, my parents worked uh, several jobs just to make ends meet. So Saturdays, I usually found myself kind of having to occupy my, t- my time myself. So I just discovered uh, the Brookbanks Library in North York for the first time. And it was at that library where I discovered um, a love of reading. I became obsessed with uh, the Peanuts uh, comic books by Charles Schultz. And I just every week I would just go and see what new things they had available. I just devoured all that up. And then shortly after, I was still like in grade four at the time, I, I, I visited and went up. I remember walking up to the desk and asking someone, can I apply to work for the library? And she said, oh, you're so cute, but you know, you, you need to be 14. So come back in a few years. So sure enough, a few years later, same person, I said, can I pick up an application to work as a page? And the page is a student job at the library. So I, I applied. I thankfully got the job. Um, I was able to quit my paper route. <laughs> and then ever since that was that. So I did a, a various uh, series of public service uh, jobs through the library. So working directly with the customers on the service desk. And I studied journalism for my undergrad at the Ryerson University. And then when I graduated, you know, I had fully intended to to fully pursue a, a career in journalism. But there was at that time uh, a position that opened up in the communications department. So the library's children and youth advocate was looking for someone to hire them temporarily to do a project with Anik Press. And Anik Press is the publisher of the Robert Munch books among many fantastic children's books. And they were looking to partner with the library to develop a book to teach young people how to research at using library resources, right? So naturally, I had both the library experience and also, you know, the writing experience. And it was such a fantastic project. Like I got to actually produce a book <laughs> that had that had comic books in it. And so that led to uh, seven years then working in the library's communications department. And so I got to do uh, various marketing campaigns, various uh, really fun programs, uh, including, you know, the human library I mentioned, we did wine tastings at the library, we had an annual literary festival that we did. And then in 2013, uh, feels like a lifetime ago, um, the library, as part of its then new strategic plan, had a big focus and emphasis on innovation. And so I applied, and thankfully I, I was the recipient of the position to, to take on the first innovation role. It's interesting and, and telling, uh, and, and maybe universal, the fact that your, your earliest entry was as a child, and, and obviously that was a, a great experience for you. 
it was an inclusive and welcoming environment. I I know that uh, when I was very young, growing up in New Brunswick, my dad would take me on Friday nights to the the Sackville Public Library, which was really smaller than the studio, and and, and yet the librarian was extremely welcoming and encouraging, and and. And, and the fact that the Sackville Library was tiny and maybe had limited resources was far less consequen- consequential than the fact that how that librarian welcomed me and uh, was a key stakeholder, for lack of a better term, in terms of the library. And, and I wonder, what do you do? What is the library doing to ensure that it is, in fact, like the culture is is welcoming of of a diversity of individuals, of ages, of experiences, of backgrounds. Yep. So the library, by nature, we are, uh, you know, a d- democratic and a uh, place where it's it's an equalizing force, right? And I know it sounds like a tagline, but what what I essentially mean by that is anyone can come to the library and have equitable access to service. So regardless of your background, regardless of your circumstances, of your um, economic uh, status, you know, you have the same access to our collections, to our books, to our programming, to our services. Um, It's all equal regardless of your background. And that's always been our core value in our philosophy and the way that informs the way we deliver our customer experience, our customer service, and our programs. Can you speak to the role of the library to to remove the digital divides that that continue to exist in, in our city and in our society? Yes. So um, when we look at digital divide, we look at it from different components. So one, it's around access. So the concept of digital inclusion, where you can come to library and have access to these tools for free, regardless of your background and circumstance. That's sort of the first piece. And then there's also the piece around digital literacy. So it's not just enough to give people access to stuff but it's also giving them access to training so that they can understand how these technologies work and how to use them. So I think those two play in hand in hand, and that's going to be an even bigger focus for us moving forward because there's so much need for that kind of training. When I think about my mom, who's going to be 80 in a few years, um, just recently learned how to use the internet. My uncle recently gifted her a Sony tablet for uh, for Christmas, and she's like, "How do you use this?" I'm like, Ugh. "Like, you know, I'm busy." So I said, "Why don't you Why don't you go to the library right right across the street and ask one of the librarians there, right, and, and take one of their classes?" Oh, come on, you're not that busy. <laughs> no, I say that joking. I, lo- I love my mom, but you know, it's like, mom, pr- prioritize your 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 limited time with me. I'm a, I'm a new parent, right? <laughs> are there libraries either in north america or around the world that you look to for inspiration yes uh i look we always get inspired by our colleagues in the library community <laughs> we love to collaborate so a few examples of ones that really stand out to me new york public library in uh, new york <laughs> they're a large system and they're just they're amazing what, right? do, what do they do that most appeals to you uh well, their spaces are beautiful. The central library uh, is, is beautiful architecturally wise. Yeah. I feel like they're doing some really innovative things with uh, technology. So an example is uh, their social media presence and their online community pr- communications presence is fantastic. So they do things like every week they have on a Facebook Live where they have two librarians who are giving you personalized recommendations in real time on Facebook Live. Um, a few years ago, they flew a drone through their their library to do a drone walkthrough. So when the Toronto Reference Library, we uh, 
completed our recent renovations, you know, we were inspired by New York to do a similar fly through. So we flew a drone through the reference library as a way. <laughs> as a way. I'm sure, that's encouraged. I'll tell my son that one. Yeah, yeah. So you can't do that now. Uh, regulations have changed. So, we, oh, so come on. So, uh, so that was something that we took inspiration from them from them as well. I'm thinking now back to my my library upbringing in, in Sackville, New Brunswick, and I can imagine the librarian and staff listening to this podcast and thinking like, I wish I was Toronto Public Library with 100 branches and, and your budget and your staff. What what do you say to the, to the librarians and, and staff in a community of 3,000 people or 4,000 people in, in terms of how they can be similarly innovative and um, reach out to the community. Yep. Um, So innovation, from my perspective, I think can happen anywhere, regardless of your size, of your budget. Obviously, budget plays uh, a role. But I think think just because you're a smaller library with a smaller community doesn't limit what you can do. Actually, in fact, you know, I'm a huge fan of... a lot of smaller library systems who've done some amazing things. Uh, so there's a library in uh, New York State called Fightville Free Library. They are actually credited as the very first library, the pioneers who did started doing all these makerspace technology spaces. They've tr- blazed a trail for, for us to follow. Um, there's another library um, in Innisfil, Ontario, uh, who are doing some amazing, innovative things. So I remember when we were planning our first digital innovation hub, we did a field trip to Innisfil, uh, had lunch right at the beach. That was really nice. Um, but they had they, what one of the things they did was they took uh, over an old shopper's drug mart and then turned that into sort of a little... Um, a library space, right? And they offered things like laser cutters, um, 3D printers. So we learned a lot from them too. So innovation really happens at all levels. Uh, what you need is, you know, staff who are willing to to try things out. You need uh, leadership alignment, with leadership to to really support that. I think it goes back to your point earlier around culture, right? It's really that that culture that that allows staff to try things out, to experiment, to not fear failure, but rather to embrace failure as a learning opportunity. I think that's 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 important as well. And I think if you're a small library system, you can you can do some really innovative stuff. Abe, thank you, thank you so much for coming in today and uh, talking about the library. It's it's been really inspiring. No, thank you. Um, this was such a great opportunity. And also thank you for letting me participate in my first ever podcast. This is going to be one of the highlights of my year. So, great. so thank you. Great. And we're glad to have done it. That was Abe Velasco, Manager of Innovation for Toronto Public Library. That's it for this week. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite listening app. And leave us a review. This episode was produced by Ali James. I'm Noel Halsman, and we'll see you next week. 